Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to A Minor Detail. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm the host of the show, and we're here live every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock p.m. You can also find us on the web at aminordetail.com. We do local news, Maryland political news. We get into it all from Western Maryland all the way down to the Eastern Shore, where I was this weekend with my family. We went to the annual Waterfowl Festival in Easton. And then this morning, we drove up to Tilmington Island. And Kim, where were we? To with by the sea. And I would strongly, I would strongly recommend this. And Kim has been obsessed with saying this for the last couple of days. <laughs> She's laughing over here in the, in the living room. Um, we had a great breakfast. And all in all, if you haven't been to the annual waterfowl festival. My recommendation is to go. We went to an oyster and crab brawl yesterday, and it was the epitome of what you would consider the Eastern shore to be with dogs and all kinds of things. And it was music and good beer and food and still laughing (laughs) as she's walking into the kitchen. But anyway, we're here tonight to talk about the elections. No, not the the Virginia elections, Um, no, not the New Jersey election, but rather we had a big election on Tuesday, and Frederick City elected a new mayor, um, and I'm going to have him join me tonight, and he is online, so I want to welcome Michael O'Connor, who is the mayor-elect of the city of Frederick. Well, welcome, mayor-elect. Ryan, thank you very much. My pleasure. I, I just had one question. Do the do the oysters and crabs actually brawl with each other at an they oyster should. and crab brawl? They should. Well, they were tasty, I'll tell you that. I don't know if you like raw oysters, but there was plenty of that yesterday. And uh I had I, I had several. They they did fried oysters and they had um they had like another combination of oysters, but the, with that and the beer, and it was you know the cold eastern shore fall weather. It was it was a good time. We had a blast. So. It's not seafood MMA. <laughs> no, no, right. So um, I, I just want to first say congratulations to you, and we're um, I'm 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 very excited for you that um, you're going to be uh, coming into. Um, city of Frederick, and you're going to be the new mayor. And so you were born in Frederick. You graduated from St. John's at Prospect um, at Prospect Hall, which is now St. John's Catholic Prep. And, um, and then you went to St. Bonaventure University. You correct, majored, correct. You majored in history and mass communication. And now, Michael, I did not know this, but you spent 20 years as a local media reporter, news director, talk show host, senior producer and moderator with WJEJ in Hagerstown. So you must know Lou Scally pretty well. I, I do know Lou, Lou Scally. Lou, that was, my, that was my first. I didn't spend 20 years at JEJ, but I, I started my career out of college with, mm-hmm. uh, with JEJ doing news and, and working with Lou Scally and, and Trav Rupert. And um, um, uh, John Staub was the, was the general manager back then, the station manager, and um, they gave me my start. Well, that's that's really cool. It's my hometown station. I grew up in Hagerstown, so we grew up listening to WJEJ, um, especially in the morning time. It, we would turn that on for AM, and before the Internet ever even was around or existed or we had access to it, what we would do, Michael, is on mornings that it would snow, we would tune into WJEJ to wait for Lou Scally to tell us whether we had school or not. So I remember those days very well, and that was how we got yeah, our morning yeah, when news. I, when, when I was in school, that's how you found out. There were no fancy technology. You just listen to the radio, and you, you hope for the good news. These days they send uh, emails or they send text messages. How, how much that would have saved us with worry and anxiety when we could have received a text message rather than still getting up at the crack of dawn to wait for our – uh, radio reporter to tell us whether our school was in or not on a snow day. So um, that's my how technology has changed. So you've been doing media for a long time and journalism. So I hope that you know, somebody like yourself who knows this business so well, and I'm, I'm hoping to use this podcast, this live show and what we do with our blog um, to 
just be part of the conversation, not not to dominate it, but of course, just be part of it. And I have such a love and a passion for for the news and for journalism. And it's so important in this day and age. And um, it's it's a career that it will not make you wealthy, but it certainly brings about lots of energy and passion. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to figure out how to do this full time, but I haven't gotten there yet. So I'm working toward it. <laughs> keep working. Keep working. Yeah, I appreciate it. So let's talk about the campaign and what when you when you decided to, to initially jump into the, the Mariola election, um, what was your motivation behind doing so? So I have been on the board of aldermen in the city of Frederick for the last eight years. And my career prior to that was, as you indicated, working in television locally, and then prior to that, radio, covering Frederick City, Frederick County government, politics, a little bit of state house stuff. If it involved Frederick County, we were, we were all over it. I had a, a job transition in 2006 that took me out of doing media work full time, and that really opened up the opportunity for me to begin to explore maybe more seriously um, running for, for public office. I had run for the House of Delegates unsuccessfully in 2002, and honestly, the best thing that ever happened to me was not winning that election, because as I continued to understand more about how local government worked, I really came to believe that the most important work that people do in government occurs at the local level. It's where you meet your neighbors every day with the issues that matter to them. It's not to say that the work that gets done in Washington or Annapolis isn't, isn't important, but the the shopping center that gets put down the street from you or the school district issue or the issue of economics in the neighborhood and empty buildings or 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 homelessness that affects people where they live and breathe every day and when the opportunity in 2006 came to change jobs i went to work for a local church as the business manager it also allowed me to explore really what had been a long-time interest, the interest in local politics is what I covered for 20 years doing, doing media work. And I ran for the Board of Aldermen in 2009 and was successful and reelected in 2013. And I'm not sure that any of these jobs are really supposed to be permanent and full-time um, opportunities. But uh, last year, um, last summer, I began to really seriously consider whether I wanted to continue as a member of the Board of Aldermen or did I want to try and, and do something different. And I had, had come to the conclusion through a lot of conversations with people as we worked through the, the, the summer into the fall and then to our announcement in January that um, Frederick City is a, is a really great place and we're doing really good things and we're headed in the right direction. But what I, the recurring thing that I kept hearing was, a sense of urgency, but there doesn't seem to be any urgency. There doesn't seem to be a clear direction about where it is that we're trying to go. And I'd spent 15 years ago working with the community on developing a strategic plan for the city of Frederick, a project called Aspire Frederick, and knew that for me, that was a really critical component. If, if we don't know where we're going, we might luck into it, um, but wouldn't it be better to be a little more deliberate about how we make our decisions and about the things that we do? And so we launched our campaign with the idea that we are going to try and bring a greater sense of urgency to what occurs in the city of Fredericks and, and the problem that we're facing. And that we're going to do it with, with some clear vision and goals in mind about the kind of community that we want. And a lot of that has been built on my my public life, essentially my public life over the last 30 years in media and then working as a member of the Board of Aldermen to do more to engage residents in the process of government. Because if we can engage residents in the process of government and make them really come to understand and believe that government is working for them and not against them, then we can change the conversation about government. There's, a, there's an awful lot of cynicism out there, and I've, I've never been a cynic about what I think a good government can accomplish. Um, I, I, we, we believe that if we undertake uh, the right kind of, of, of interaction and engagement with our residents, that we can begin to perhaps rebuild uh, some of that cynicism that people have. When you were on the board of Alderman and when you were first elected, um, what issues were driving the conversation way back in 2009 and over your span of nearly eight years of being on the board? Um, where did you start from and where did you go? And what was 
what was the starting point, meaning what did you want to accomplish in 2009, and what have you accomplished in those eight years? So in, in 2009, when we came into the office, as you recall, we were at the uh, really the height of the Great Recession at that point. And so we came into office without a lot of campaigning on, on, on big dreams about the things that you hope that you could do. And then you get into office and you find out that uh, the city is facing a multi-million dollar um, deficit without even starting to talk about uh, – where, where we're going to spend money. We just, the revenues were upside down because of um, collapsing assessments in the housing market and income tax revenues down. And it was, it was really all bets are off. Um, we had to kind of start from scratch. And because in 2009, when, when, when the mayor was elected and the five members of the board of aldermen came in at that time, we were all new. All six of us were new. None of us had ever oh, wow. held elected office in our life. At that point, and so there was a lot for us to learn. One about governing, about working together, but two, the budget situation was so bad that um, we really had to put our, our our dreams about what we wanted to do and really focus on well, how do we how do we take care of the responsibility we have, which is to provide um, core government services um, to residents, knowing that we're in a, a difficult financial situation? How do we um, continue to provide the level of public safety that people expect and the level of parks and recreation services and the public works and the street cleaning and the garbage collection and snow removal and all of those kinds of things? What, what we've seen over the eight years that I've been on the board is a slow improvement of the, the underlying economics. Um, obviously, um, the city has seen economic expansion in its downtown. While we have lost a mall on the west side of the city of Frederick and are looking at ways in which we can revitalize that Golden Mile corridor, um, we've seen other commerce come in and somewhat pick up the slack a little bit. That continues to be a, a strong uh, commercial corridor for the city of Frederick. Uh, we've seen um, some new annexations that have brought some new residential opportunities into the city of Frederick. We've seen the uh, development of the east side of the city of Frederick with the Carroll Creek Linear Park Phase 2, and right. now moving a little bit farther east into the Wren Farm and the residential possibilities that exist there in an infill capacity and the extension of the Linear Park through that property. We've worked to stabilize some of the um, further stabilize, I guess I should say, some of the uh, some of the, the ongoing assets of the city from Harry Grove Stadium to our airport to the Weinberg Center to our golf course, um, all things that I think bring great value add to the residents of the city. So um, a lot of progress has been made um, over those eight years where we've where we've perhaps not seen um, the great promise, I think, that exists is in some of the vacancies that have long plagued our downtown. Um, it is certainly not the kind of problem that may exist in some other communities, but in Frederick, we've got high expectations for ourselves. And so um, having a building on our, on our Main Street, Market Street, that's been, that's been effectively empty for 15 years is unacceptable to me, and it's unacceptable to residents of the city of Frederick. Having um, a city that's got a reasonably high um, quality of life for its residents to have um, visible poverty um, with uh, 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 expanding um, challenges of homelessness is just not something that we can, we can tolerate as a community. We need to figure out how we're going to work through these kinds of problems. And a lot of it is about pulling the right people into the conversation and really demonstrating a will to want to take on some of these larger economic and social challenges that an affluent community, a growing community like Frederick, um, should not should not be dealing with. Um, Michael, is in terms of size alone, how does the city of Frederick compare to uh, other other Maryland cities? In fact, what is the um, the statistics? Um, if you were to rank from largest to smallest, where does where does the city of Frederick lie in that equation? So, so Baltimore is the largest city in uh, the state of Maryland. They are number one, um, six hundred plus or minus 1,000 residents, uh, Frederick is number two at wow. 70, 
thousand residents, and Rockville and Gaithersburg um, fall right in there at at three and four. When we came into office, there was a, a kind of an annual jockeying of position between Frederick, Rockville, and Gaithersburg for who is who could take that coveted number two spot of the most populous city in in Maryland. I think Frederick has now pulled into the lead, and I think we're probably going to be sitting there for a, a little while. We don't have we don't have the same. Um, challenges that Rockville and Gaithersburg do in terms of their ability to expand. We have the ability to uh, to grow our, our boundaries in ways that, that Rockville and Gaithersburg can't quite do. They have they have some better opportunities for density infill than, than we do. Um, but we're number two, and um, I think we're going to be there for a while. And so, I mean, that puts us in a, in a unique position, I think, because yeah. we are also then a city that other municipal governments from around the state look to. Um, yeah. They certainly look to Baltimore, but I think they look to the Fredericks and the Gaithersburgs, the Roxvilles, the Annapolis, Salisbury, Hagerstown, the, the the larger the larger cities that are scattered throughout the state. And say, well, how are they doing things in those places? And Frederick really wants to be a leader. We want to be a leader in those conversations. We've been very active over my years in the Maryland Municipal League. Um, that's going to continue um, in in my administration. I want our members of the Board of Aldermen, our new members and our existing ones, to con- continue to see the MML as a resource for um, information sharing, the opportunity to collaborate with colleagues around the state. I think has been a really valuable opportunity for 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 me personally, and I think it's, it's benefited the city as well. So as someone who grew up in Hagerstown and often looked to the progress that Frederick City was making and Hagerstown has has had its own fair share of issues. And I, I was born and raised in the city and I, I know it well, you know it well. Um, we always struggled to to understand why its progress has been stymied there. And I now live just outside of the city of Gaithersburg and there's another burgeoning city and you know we're halfway, be- well, I don't want to say just outside of Gaithersburg, but I'm halfway between Rockville and Gaithersburg in a small community called North Potomac. And we, uh, you know, we see the effects of what's happening in Rockville and Gaithersburg alone. And one of those big issues that I would, and I, and I say this to Kim all the time, Michael, I, I love downtown Frederick. It feels like such a walkable community. There's so much, so much nightlife. There's a lot of culture there's always something happening in downtown Frederick. In fact, so much so that if you go into downtown Frederick on a sunny Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon in the fall, the spring, summer, there is so many people who are downtown frequenting restaurants, going to shops. I've never seen anything quite like it. And I just wish that more communities could look at that, look at Frederick City and mirror that What's the solution? What's what's the game plan that has um, that has allowed the city of Frederick to be a destination city for many Marylanders and not Marylanders, people who live outside of uh, the state of Maryland? I mean, I think you have to go back to, honestly, the 70s when the downtown Frederick was really in a crossroads. Uh, there was uh, significant flooding in the mid-70s that uh, the, the leadership at that time could have made a decision, well, we gave it a good fight, um, but you know, suburban America is coming, and downtowns all across this country are, are not surviving, and maybe it's time for us to, to, to give up the fight and, and let the suburbs take over. But the leadership at that time said no. We, we have an opportunity, and they made the investment in the late 70s to begin the Carroll Creek Project um, and to start down uh, a path of uh, revitalization of downtown. They, they, they were unwilling to give up on the promise of what a small downtown America could be. Um, that was an enormous infrastructure project that rescued um, dozens of acres um, of uh, previously undevelopable land in the downtown and, and made it available for development. Um, that flood control project has now um, been topped with the linear park that runs through um, downtown Frederick. The city acquired um, post post um, 76 flood the uh, the Weinberg Center at that time, the Tivoli the Weinberg Center, and and made the effort to revitalize that. Um, 
the the investment in downtown has really been what made the difference and there was a lot of partnership in making that happen it wasn't just the city doing it by itself it was working with our county government um, a recognition by the county leadership at that time that downtown frederick um, was was vital and significant and should be preserved the recognition from the state who provided um, resources to build Carroll Creek Park, to build Harry Grove Stadium, um, to do the kinds of investment that the state does really all over Maryland when it can create uh, good win-win opportunities for state dollars to go into local capital projects. And, And the development of then organizations like our Downtown Frederick Partnership, which is the city's Main Street organization that works so hard to program downtown Frederick to work with merchants on, uh, on, on marketing and exposure and facade improvement and all of those things, frankly, a lot of little things that um, when you put them all together, um, create the downtown the way it feels today, a, a, a concerted effort to create um, a 14-hour day in, in downtown Frederick that you can come and you can work and you can shop and you can dine and you have entertainment. And we're, 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 we're lucky, I think, but, but that luck has been born from a lot of hard work and um, the, the visioning of some people, you know, 20 years ago and 30 years ago about what downtown Frederick could be. There's, there's been talk that the reason, one of the many reasons that, that you were successful in this mayoral election is because you had a vision um, that was different from the current mayor. And one piece of that vision was finding affordable housing, which has become a major complaint, not only in Frederick, but any major city that you go to. People want to, I would love to be, I would love to be in downtown Frederick. In fact, we love it so much. We'd love to have one of those historic townhomes. Well, our concern is, is that, you know, while we live in Montgomery County, which is very expensive, um, we're concerned about affordable housing really anywhere we go. But Frederick would be uh, someday a home to us. That's that's what we want to do. We would love to either move to downtown Frederick or maybe somewhere near Urbana. We love Frederick County. My concern is, is that there's a there's a problem with affordable housing units. So. What can we do? What can you do, your your board of aldermen? What can they do to work that issue out? It was it was right before the the general election. Within a couple of weeks of the of the general election, there was a, a summit on affordable housing that was led by our community foundation and our affordable housing council. And the 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 conclusion that I drew out of attending that meeting is that there's an awful lot of people in this community who are interested in in having this conversation. We know that as a growing community, we have diverse economic interests within our community, and that means we have to provide a wide breadth of housing for those diverse economic interests. And right now it's a little bit out of balance. The people who fall to the lower end of the economic scale simply do not have the housing opportunities that people who are more affluent can make. And and if we know we're going to be a diverse city economically, then we have to make a commitment to providing that diverse housing. And so what what was keyed out of the summit is that it isn't it isn't any one entity's um, problem to resolve. There there are needs within the nonprofit community that have to be met in terms of some direct service delivery that might be possible. There are certainly it came through loud and clear some government impediments to how that works. The kinds of fees and requirements that we may put on housing developments generally may in fact make uh, affordable housing uh, a more challenge, a, a greater challenge. And so we need to look at our um, our rules and regulations, the kinds of things that potentially inhibit developers from wanting to build affordable housing and from having affordable housing um, get built. We've been working over the last um, several years with a couple of nonprofit developers who are working to build workforce housing, which is um, fits into that affordable housing model, but it is it's a little bit different because it requires a certain number of those units to be uh, work to be market based. Um, but the remainders of, of the units are all they're not subsidized. They are they are market rate for certain income levels. And the more of those kinds of of 
different and innovative ways of, of filling this void we can come up with, then the better we're going to do in, in ultimately addressing this need. And we've got a lot of people who, who want to do that. For me, I'm, I've, I'm very interested in these conversations. I'm very interested in engaging the community and engaging with our nonprofit partners and at the county and at the state level to try and resolve these issues. And for me, that has been um, – that that kind of the, the, the willingness to want to even have the conversations, I think, is 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 the place to start. And um, my campaign in a number of these areas is really focused on a willingness to have a conversation about some of these bigger issues. We know we've got to pick up the trash. We know that we have right. to provide the right number of police officers. That we have to keep our parks department, um, you know, funded in a way that makes sure that that our our parks are are great resources for our residents, but we have these other problems that are not quite so simple to resolve as simply putting a body in place to make it happen. You've got to engage in a conversation. And um, if, if that's, if that's the vision piece that we're talking about, then to me, it's, it's critical that the city be a leader in those conversations. I, I don't believe that the city is the answer or has the answer to every problem. I do believe it is important for city leadership to be at the table leading the conversation about where those solutions are going to come from. In in the city of Frederick, um, many people just presume that the mayor is obviously the, the central figure inside of the city. So for, for people who are listening that are not quite sure what your responsibilities are, Michael, what are you going to do as – the mayor, what are those core responsibilities laid out in the job description? So the, the charter of the city of Frederick um, gives the mayor um, a lot of authority. We are a strong charter city. We do not have a city manager as some cities do. Hagerstown, for example, has a city manager. The, the, the mayor is the chief executive officer and really the chief operations officer in many respects for the city. So he manages, he has the responsibility for managing the, the staff on a day-to-day basis. There are a number of direct reports at the top of the organizational chart in, in various departments that uh, are effectively the mayor's cabinet in that regard. Um, the, the Board of Aldermen has all of the legislative oversight, uh, so the job of the mayor is to execute the legislation and the policy decisions that the, the, the Board of Aldermen makes. But people do look to the mayor. They look to the mayor for um, the leadership on the critical issues. They look for the mayor to um, provide um, clear direction about what the city's priorities and goals are going to be, to present to the Board of Aldermen um, a budget and a uh, legislative action plan that will help to achieve the goals and objectives that, that are laid out. I mean, one of the interesting things about the dynamic of this most recent election, obviously, as you well know, it was uh, uh, myself and, and five Democrats. Uh, we, we, according to the research, for the first time ever, um, a Democratic sweep in the city of Frederick. And, and what that, 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 that carries with a great, great pride and a job well done because we, we conducted a, um, a coordinated campaign that worked very hard to try and get out Democratic voters to support um, our vision of what the, the city could be. But what it, what it also means is well, there's, no, there's no place for us to go. There's no one we can point fingers at. The expectations are, are high, and those expectations rest on the shoulders of myself and, and the great board of aldermen that the voters of the city of Frederick have elected as well. So um, whatever we're able to achieve over the next four years as, as, a, as, a, as a city, it will be because of the teamwork of a mayor and a board of aldermen and not because of the actions of me, even though people will look to the mayor for that guidance and leadership. We've got a very strong board of aldermen. They are, I described them in the in an article in the newspaper today, um, exceptionally gifted thinkers and doers. And so we have we have great opportunity here. And um, um, we're, we want to try and take the opportunities and challenges that come to us uh, head on. Yeah, and there's there's going to be some challenges, and but I also see, and from um, your campaign, um, I've read that you you clearly have a vision. So you know, just just wrapping things up, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk much more. Um, what what do you hope to accomplish over the next year, at least, and um, you know, looking for long term planning over the next four years, but more so, I'm interested in what do you hope to do over the next year. 
So, so three big things which we talked about in our campaign and, and which I've, I've referenced um, a couple of those already is, one, to, to transform civic engagement, to transform the way the community can communicate with City Hall and the way City Hall communicates with the community. I think we looked at the voter turnout numbers, certainly not as robust as we wish they could be. We're very happy with the outcome. So from our perspective, um, selfishly, the right voters came to the polls, which we like, but, but we really need more voters to come to the polls. But I think the way you do that is engagement between elections, not in the six months prior to an election. So, so that's a big one, how we, how we change engagement. The, the, the second one has, is this economic vibrancy question, how we expand the vibrancy in the city of Frederick and how we become more economically resilient, build um, the kind of uh, economic opportunities at all income levels while also seeing an expanding tax base in our city to take the pressure off of our residential property owners. We know that um, the work that we need to do in getting a downtown hotel and conference center in place, what we need to do on the west side of the city of Frederick to bring um, a, a sense of revitalization to uh, an area where a mall has been vacant now for a number of years, the opportunities for new investment on the east side of the city of Frederick with East Frederick Rising. These are important opportunities for us to expand vibrancy and create economic resilience, and that will help people at all levels of um, the income scale because they'll provide opportunities if we do it the right way at all levels of the income scale. And the last piece is this question of sustainability. And we've adopted a sustainability plan in the city of Frederick, and we have a sustainability manager. We've put some money aside for sustainability initiatives, but we need to move those forward faster. We know that for the city long-term, to um, meet its full potential, we need to become less reliant on fossil fuels in terms of energy. We need to look at how we transform our vehicle fleet into something that is more um, uh, energy um, conscious, that our land, our water, our air are all critical resources that we um, must take care of and take into consideration as we do our planning and our, our, our development. We have to be mindful of our impact on, on the environment and, and the city in which we live. And so those are the three areas. I think we can make progress. We're not going to solve all of those problems in the first year. We probably won't even solve all of those problems in four years. But we're going to try and do everything we can to begin to make progress in those three areas um, over the course of my administration. Mayor-elect Michael O'Connor, congratulations on your victory, resounding victory, and I will Listen, I'm going to visit Frederick City as much as possible. I love going to your restaurants. I love frequenting your shops. Um, I am so happy with um, the progress the city has made, and I'm excited to see what you, what uh, your your board of Alderman, uh, the Alderman board, as well as the mayor, will be able to accomplish. And uh, you and I will get together sometime and talk more over a cup of coffee at one of those great downtown Absolutely. coffee shops. So I, um, I look forward to it. Let me know when you're in town. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations and um, best of luck. And for one final question, when are you sworn in? Inauguration Day is December the 14th, 1 o'clock in the afternoon at the Weinberg Center for the Arts in downtown Frederick. Okay. Well, hopefully I can be there. So, once again, congratulations and thanks so much for coming on tonight. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Anytime. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Mayor-elect Michael O'Connor, new mayor of Frederick City, and as he said, he will be sworn in in December. Uh, next up, I have a good, close, personal friend, one of my favorite journalists in the oh, state wow. of Maryland, Catherine Herbrandt. She writes for the Frederick Extra, uh, one of those hot, new, burgeoning pieces of uh, – I guess, information sites that you just need to read every day. I read it every day. I learn something new from Catherine every day. She is my, uh, she's my journalism mentor, and she's coming on right now. Catherine, thanks for coming on tonight. I know you're busy, but I appreciate it. Well, you're quite welcome, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You've been a busy bee covering these Frederick well, cities. Well, actually, I've been taking a couple of days off since the election, but I have a lot of Stuff I'm working on now that's going out in the next few days, wrapping up the city election, moving on to all those, dusting off those county, uh, you know, election pieces that I've been sitting on for a while. So <laughs> I think we're going to have another announcement tomorrow. But you wanted to talk about city election tonight, and I'm fine with that too. 
So how to so. go with the uh, mayor-elect Michael O'Connor? I'm sorry I didn't get to hear all of that, uh, but Michael has grand plans. He he does have a grand plan, and from, um, from what I ascertain, um, he's he's very very passionate and he is engaged with city residents, which may be one of the reasons why he won so overwhelmingly. And Catherine, why? It, this was a clean sweep, as he had mentioned. This was a Democratic clean sweep, not only in the city of Frederick, but in the city of Annapolis, um, in, in Virginia. There, the House of Delegates drastically changed in the state of Virginia. Um, for, of course, the, the New Jersey has elected a new governor. I just don't know how much further lower you could have gone than Chris Christie, but hopefully there's only reason to go up in New Jersey. Um, but in the city of Frederick... Did you expect this? Did you expect that Democrats um, would dominate these city elections based upon what's happening nationally? Maybe just people walked in and said, you know what? I don't care which Republican is running. You know, They might be good people. They have great ideas on some of these local issues, but I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to go ahead and just vote straight Democrat. Do you think that occurred in this city election in 2017? I'd like to say – I'd like to say I called it. Um, you know, hindsight's everything. I think I think the Republicans shot themselves in the foot, I'll say it again, by not having a primary. No one knew who they were. They had a lot of catch-up. These people, a lot of uh, the Democrats had been campaigning uh, since January and certainly in the spring, so they had all summer. So there was obviously, uh, you know, possibly – some Trump effect, but there was also the fact that the Democrats got it together. They they worked uh, diligently. They worked as a slate, and they got the job done. The Republicans were floundering in the city election. I don't think they're. I don't think they were focused on it, um, which is kind of interesting because what what you saw, <laughs> what you're going to see. Um, is the Democrats taking more of an interest in local races, finally, finally, picking up on what the Republicans have long known, which is starting in the grassroots, starting in the local elections. Uh, let's, let's pay attention there and get our Democrats elected on the local level, and it can only build uh, to the national election. So yeah. I think you saw some of that. But quite frankly, I mean, there was some, there was a definite issue with the fact that the Republicans were, a lot of them unknown. Uh, they weren't unified. Uh, There's a lot of finger pointing. I'm writing a story now. Brian Cheney's blaming the Central Committee. Said if he had run as an unaffiliated, he might have gotten elected. So let's so, talk about that, um, Catherine. <laughs> Brian Cheney is a Republican uh, who, I, let's see, I'm just looking at the election results. According mm-hmm. to your website, um, by the way, a shameless plug, the Frederick Extra dot com. Brian Cheney, a Republican, won two thousand six hundred and eight votes, six point four seven percent of the total votes um, out of all the candidates who are running. Um, I don't know this individual and I've never heard of him. Um, I, I assume it's a him. Um, well, see, that's what you just you just touched on one of the problems there. A lot of these names were unfamiliar. Um, I know Alan Inhofe came out on top, but he was still, what, 2,000 votes behind uh, the next top vote getter. Um, he, was, he was more well-known. He had served as an alderman. Brian mm-hmm. Cheney was an unknown who came in to replace someone uh, two days after the primary election. And um, he did his best to become known. He, he was very splashy and active in his campaign. Um, I think he felt he had some momentum going and he wants to come back and try again and run for mayor, apparently. Um, he said but that. so does Blaine Young. Uh, yeah, Brian Cheney told me that. This is my story that I'm working on now. Uh, Brian Cheney told me he wants to run for mayor in four is years. This breaking news? Blaine Young also told me he was going to run for mayor in four years. But, you know, people say a lot of things after an election. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't even know if I'm going to be doing this in four years. God, I hope not. But uh, you'll so, carry the torch for me, right? Well, you and I are going to work together <laughs> on some of these big stories. I mean, I've, I, we, we've seen to come up with quite a bit. Brian Cheney was an interesting candidate in that uh, he was a last-minute substitution candidate for city alderman. 
But isn't this the gentleman who had signed his daughter's name on his application, which he got some heat for? Is that is is that what maybe yeah, caused him I to think, lose, other than that he had an R next to his name? Well, honestly, I don't think I don't think it was any one thing. I think I think having the R after his name was was a definite. Um, that was primarily the problem in, with this particular election. Brian Cheney had made a couple of uh, wrong turns. I think there were some people who were willing to forgive him. Uh, I don't think the Republicans had the numbers. As you know, it's two to one, Democrats over Republicans in the city of Frederick. Uh, there's quite a number of unaffiliated who seem to vote. Um, um, they kind of split their vote, I think. I haven't drilled down into the numbers. I don't know if you have either at this point, but, um, you know, the, the Democrats had, had a huge uh, margin, uh, marginal advantage in the number of registered voters. So Brian yeah, Cheney may have come on had he had a longer time to, I don't know, who knows? It's all, it, it, it could have, should have, would have. We'll see. We'll see what happens so, next year. Um, you, if, if the Republicans learned anything. Well, and, and maybe they did or did not, but you also mentioned that Brian Cheney said something about the Republican Central Committee. Frederick's Republican Central Committee are filled with just complete wackadoos, um, and some people are good. <laughs> I don't mean to be unkind. <laughs> What's that? I'm not going there. You can, you can say what you choose. I think there's some dysfunction going on in that board right now, I, Listen, um, I, you, and I think they're, they're trying to work it out. I hope so. No, the Frederick City, uh, barring a few people who I know and, and, and like very much and who are committed to the cause of promoting Republican values and don't get into the mud of the, the typical whataboutism within Republican polit- that dominates Republican politics these days, um, you, when you have Michael Huff's w- wife, who is now the former chairwoman and not anymore, but you have these complete right-wing crazies like Michael Hill – who hasn't met, hasn't figured out a bedroom that he doesn't want to regulate. Um, but I, I just, I don't quite understand how the Frederick County Republican Central Committee, like Washington County's, which is equally full of Trump right wing crazies, um, Frederick, Frederick should be this sort of moderate bastion, right? They, you know, it's it's a kind of an in between place. Republicans win there sometimes, but then you also have the hard right. I mean, look what happened. Look what's happening in Frederick City. And we'll, I, I don't mean to to go off on a, a small tangent, but Billy Shreve is vehemently unqualified to be a state senator. There's no reason why this man should be a state senator for any reason. I mean, he, he's going down there to what he describes as trumping uh, trumping Annapolis. And like God only knows we need another Donald Trump accolade in the, the the Maryland General Assembly. I mean, that's that's nuts. Um, so what why is Brian Cheney arguably upset with the Republican Central Committee? What are you hearing? Well, all I'm hearing is from Brian Cheney. This was the other day when I interviewed him uh, following the election. Now, he had a lot of good things to say about the greater uh, greater Frederick Republican Women's Organization because they actually had given him some hands-on assistance. Um, I'm not sure what his specific beefs were, but um, I think if you go to his website, I think he's also um, pointing some fingers at the RCC on his website as well. So I, you know, it could just be, he thought he had, uh, maybe he thought he had a greater chance. I think he was the first time, candidate um people tend to believe voters who say yeah you have my vote and then they're shocked to find out that those votes didn't materialize um as jennifer doherty used to say her father always told her voters lie and uh i think people are finding that out because you know shelly alloy she she did pretty well i think i i forget what her number was 400 some and some write-in votes. Um, Not that it, it would have made a difference out of for Randy's ankle. It didn't make a difference, but it definitely yeah. uh, put the skids on him. But I don't think he really had much of a chance. 
and it didn't really come down to um, anything to do with him. More, more the fact when you look at history, the history of Frederick City, uh, they don't elect a mayor to a third term unless that mayor, uh, their own Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Ron, Ronald Young, <laughs> 1974 to 1990, I think. So, so he got four terms, but that's the exception. Um, it was it, and and Michael Michael O'Connor is a good candidate. I think the city's yeah. in excellent hands, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens on that board. Just because they're all Democrats doesn't mean they all speak with one voice. That's for sure. So, so who were the five? So the five aldermen <clears throat> who won, Katie. Katie Bauer. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at the. Oh was Donna? Donna, can you help me out with her last name? I don't want to mispronounce sure. it. Donna Kazimchak. Uh, okay, first you let's go top to bottom. You had um, yeah. incumbent Alderman Kelly Russell. She was. Uh, she got us the top vote getter. Don't ask me the numbers. Um, you can see them on the website, but that yeah. means that she will be voted. They have to vote on. It's traditional that top vote getter uh, of the winning party becomes what they call president pro tem, which means substitute mayor when the mayor's not around. So right. that was Kelly. And number two was Derek Shackelford. This is his yeah. first term. Uh, African-American. He, this is the second time he's run. Third place was uh, Roger Wilson, who is also African-American, his first term. Um, yeah. And then Donna Zumchak, who's in, in, incumbent. I believe this is her fourth fourth or fifth term. She she served terms under uh, Jim Grimes. So okay. she's been there a while. I called her the OG, the original gangster. Um, mm. And number five, another newcomer, um, Ben McShane, who's okay. somewhat progressive, uh, owns his own construction business, and uh, did a bang-up job uh, his first time out. So that's the group. Roger Wilson, who is a Democrat who won – um, he had a ethics complaint launched at him. Um, no, 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 no. Back that up. Back it up. Back it up. He he requested himself. He requested uh, opinions from the city and county okay. ethics. Okay, my fault. Let me just correct the record. Yeah. He did not have an ethics yeah. complaint. My fault. I, I yeah. misread that. There was an ethics That's opinion. Okay. My apologies. I, right. I want to correct the record. Right, right. And the way it reads, I mean, both of them, um, they're both saying, hey, there's, there's definite potential for conflict of interest. It's really up to um, Mr. Wilson to be able to navigate and identify where those pitfalls are going to be and to come up with a process for, for recusing himself. Um, so I think until we see him in action, we're really not going to have a sense of, um, how much or how little this is going to impact his ability to do the job of alderman and still keep a job with the county um, because his job is director of, I think he's a governmental affairs. So he acts as a liaison with municipal governments uh, and the state government. So, so he's going to have to be very yeah. careful about his county right. business intersecting with um, his position on the board of aldermen. Correct. Correct. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. The city's ethics commission apparently echoed the county's ethics advice and expressed some concerns. Cities came first. Yeah, cities came out first, and then the counties came out. Um, But he requested them both at the same time. You're right. Were there any? Let me ask you this question. Um, Looking at the results, of course, the Democrats swept the election. Did you see or witness any negative campaigning? No, I didn't. I heard, you know, uh, there's always behind-the-scenes chatter. I think the Republicans were upset uh, with each other more so than the Democrats. Um, The Democrats were really um, sticking to their message of campaigning together, um, running as a team, appearing unified. They really embraced that and went with it. The Republicans were not particularly unified. They didn't work together. They didn't really know each other. And, you know, one of them in particular wasn't even a true candidate um, when it came down to it. So 
There was a lot of confusion about a centralized message. They didn't have one. There was a lot of confusion about, you know, who was going to help who do what um, and who was going to follow whose lead. I think some people tried to pick up some momentum from Hayden Duke, who'd been the only Republican campaigning since spring. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, he came out next to last. Which was Why is amazing to me. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. Honestly, I have no idea. It, it um, stunned me. I thought he was a much year. better candidate than the numbers revealed. Look, it's a tough year for Republicans, given who is leading the Republican Party. For all intents and purposes, the Republican Party is now owned by Donald Trump and his base, that 30% that is there to stay. And so if you're a Republican, even in these municipal elections, you have Donald Trump hanging around your neck and voters are going to say, look, Donald Trump has nothing to do with local zoning issues. Donald Trump has absolutely nothing to do with the Carroll Creek project. He has absolutely nothing to do with picking up our trash. He has nothing to do with almost anything that is be, uh, involved with local government, but, but you're still a republic. Know, but, you know, here's the thing. Throughout this mayoral campaign, because Michael had been an alderman for two terms and served with um, Mayor McClement also for two terms, he got the question, and he'll be the first to tell you, one of the first questions he got after the primary was, how are you going to distinguish yourself from the current mayor? Because you guys all vote the same, you know, you, uh, you seem to agree on, on the major issues. Well, one of the ways he was going to distinguish, well, not he was going to, one of the ways he was distinguished was by the letter behind his name. I mean, wow. you're right. I think, I think it made a difference. However, you know, the Democrats, like I said, they had that huge number advantage. It didn't seem to help them the last 12 years. Um, there's a lot of other factors and variables involved. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And it wouldn't also surprise me to know that that Republican Board of Aldermen uh, kerfuffle, which was a real mess of a campaign uh, a campaign gone wrong, that wouldn't surprise me if that dragged down Mayor McClellan a little bit as well. Because you notice they were not really unified. They didn't run together. They didn't have a lot of pictures together. They had that crazy sanctuary city flyer that came out that had people kind of ticked off. Uh, The mayor's name was not on it. Eh, It didn't seem like they were much of a team. Teamwork going on there. Um, Catherine, put in your political analyst had on looking at the election results, why, why not only what we just discussed, given the, the national trickle down sentiments from Republican politics, but in the city of Frederick alone, why did Mayor Randy McClement, why, what was the reason for this staggering, overwhelming loss? I mean, it was. 58 to 36, and he's been the incumbent mayor. Was it because he's been an incumbent or because Michael O'Connor had a better platform and a more robust and tangible vision? Or did Randy McClendon just blow the election? Mm, you know, um, you know yourself. You've, you've certainly been around and watched a number of these and been involved in campaigns yourself where, you know, people will sit there and naval get gaze on that one. Um, I think I think Mayor McClement knew he was going in, even as the incumbent going in as an underdog. Uh, the Democrats were united for a change. Uh, they had a candidate they all felt confident about supporting in Michael. Um, you know, the whole third term thing wasn't going to happen. And Mayor McClement, uh, he kept he kept things on an even keel. He he sort of righted the ship after the economic crisis. He was a good um, steward there for the city finances for a while, but he wasn't setting the world on fire. And mm-hmm. I think there's been a number of issues that have come up 
that he seems to be sitting on for quite some time, doesn't want to let the ball go, so to speak. That downtown hotel, somebody from Pomanda, yeah. and they said they've already they've already cut the ribbon for three different hotels in the time that they've been working on this. It's been several years. Um, you know, the whole blight issue, which never seems to get resolved. Uh, there's some, you know, just some other issues that the mayor doesn't seem to be all that interested in, economic development, um, you know, he, he's not setting the world on fire. Maybe it was time for him to pass the torch, give somebody else an, a, a chance. Uh, I mean, we could speculate all day long about you, why, he, why he lost. It, it's were, just you not surprised, surprise. were you surprised at all that not even one Republican won the election? I mean, last time it was Phil Dacey, and I don't know what Phil Dacey is doing in this upcoming election. Do you know? He, yeah, he's running at large uh, county council. He's got okay. a fundraiser coming up. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's going to do that. I, you know, as I said, they were they weren't organized. They didn't have a primary. Their names weren't on the sample ballot. They might tell you that. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, the city voters uh, seem to not be particularly motivated to come out unless there's some kind of scandal going on. I think the last. The biggest turnout they had in in modern history was when was when Jennifer Doherty was running as an incumbent mayor yeah. against Ron Young. And I think mm-hmm. there was twenty six, twenty seven percent turnout in the primary, which was unheard of at the time. But uh, you know, people don't take an interest. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll start to take an interest in it now. Um, because you'll also hear people saying, and Michael. O'Connor has said this to me. Maybe he said that on your show. Other people who got elected say this. We cannot wait. Even people who didn't get elected say this. Hayden Duke, you cannot wait every four years and try to get people engaged in city government. You have to work at getting them engaged and involved in issues that matter to them uh, from the get-go. You've got to bring them back in. There's been, you know, some malaise around the neighborhood advisory councils. They haven't been as active as they were. Um, people are getting tired of waiting for things to change that haven't changed. So maybe there's an injection of energy, and they really can see about um, bringing in more segments of the community to be involved in the running of the city of Frederick. We'll see. This is an opportune time for it. Yeah, I, I see that there is a big change, obviously. Um, the council has a new um, – it's a new makeup. Do you see the Frederick City Council turning into a staunchly progressive um, workplace that is going to push serious progressive policies? I don't know where – other than the social justice issues surrounding poverty, homelessness um, – you know, uh, people being hungry, those sorts of things. If that's what you're talking about, progressive, um, I do think there's enough people who care about those things to work on them and turn them into projects. So, yes, um, as far as anything to do with Sanctuary City or anything um, localizing national issues, I, I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. But the very first order of business, as I'm sure Mayor-elect O'Connor's said to you was that they've got to hit the ground running on the budget. So they're, and some of them have a learning curve. So you've got three people out of six. So that's just half um, who are familiar with the budget process. And this will be Mayor Alex uh, O'Connor's first time putting that budget together. So they're going to yeah. have to bury themselves in that for the first six months and beyond. And after that, we'll start to see, I guess, them hammer out, an agenda and a vision for the next three and a half years. Catherine, is this a harbinger, a sign, uh, an omen for the county council race, the county executive race, that what happened inside of the city of Frederick, Democrats united, a clean sweep of Democrats. What does this foretell for Jan Gardner? <coughs> does she have a an election coming up that looks like that – She's going to take this again and run for re-election. Uh, run, you know, running for re-election. Is she going to get another term? Does these in does these results basically yield good news for Democrats at the county level? 
Uh, absolutely. I, I absolutely think so. However, you know yourself, when you look at the players um, in the 2018 county executive race, you know, very, very different from the people running uh, on the mayoral, mayoral level at the city, where there's going to be a lot more, a lot of differences of opinion. And there's a, it seems to be a little more sense of urgency or more being at stake. I do believe that County Executive Gardner, it's her race to lose, um, but she's definitely going to be challenged. We just, you know, that Republican primary is going to be sucking up all of our attention until June. Yeah. I guarantee it. Um, and, then, and then she'll just have, uh, assuming, well, we're assuming, I, I think we can safely assume, that Jan Gardner is going to have the Democratic nomination for county executive in 2018. Then she'll just have a few short months, uh, excuse me, six months. Uh, it's going to be a crazy year. That's all I got to say. It's going to be a crazy year. Well, you and well, I are going to do our best to. Yeah, well, we we're are. going to do our best I'm, to follow I, Yeah, it. I'm going to make some changes. Once I get some things hammered out with the changes that I want to make at the FrederickExtra.com, um, I'm going to call you up and ask you to be on the show, and I'll talk about those because I'm kind of excited Good. about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with you and sharing our information so the voters can be informed and yeah, know what and they're doing when they go to the polls. Folks that are listening, I just want to make this known that Catherine and I, we're, we collaborate, we talk a lot, and we share information uh, for the for the sole purpose of informing the public. And if there's information that we believe will ultimately affect uh, the general public in some palatable way, then we're going to put it out there. And I, I hate to see people who think that, oh, bloggers, they're always competing with one another or, um, you know, a minor detail competes with so-and-so. And it's it's not the case at all. I mean, we, we really share, I, I collaborate with, Many journalists and, and individuals and have built good relationships with so many different people who do something within the media, and that's important because I'm growing something that I am so passionate about. Uh, you're growing something that you're you know, putting every single last moment of your time into, so mm-hmm. that's, that is something that I, I wanted to be well known that the Frederick Extra is a, is a, is a real – journalism, excellent reporting, and excellent opinion. So I encourage people to continue to check out your site. And I'm, I'm doing okay. as much. No, of course, Catherine. And I'm mm-hmm. doing as much as I can with a minor detail. And Absolutely. listen, I have a full-time job. And if I didn't have a full-time job, I would dedicate all uh, my efforts to. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have the whole, you'd have the whole mid-Atlantic region at your, at your beck and call. I oh. guarantee it because. You got all that energy. I, I have to say I do appreciate the, the kind words. All of us bring something different to the table, and I think it's really great how we do try to work together and coordinate and share as much of the work that we're doing with each other so that people have yeah. more access to more stories. So thanks so much yeah. for having me on. Yeah, and, Catherine, uh, you're I look great. forward to talking with you again. Yeah, yeah you're thanks wonderful, so much, and Brian. I love having you on. So um, just wrapping this up, the next couple of big stories that you're working on will be released on the Frederick extra.com. And I am mm-hmm. so interested to hear more about this Blaine young running for mayor story. I think it's fascinating. If, if there is a political comeback to be had uh, to be made you know, in the making, is it Blaine young? Who knows? I mean, is he the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's a that's yeah, a fascinating. Is he going to be a Phoenix Rising, or is he going to be a washed up? Is he going to be washed up on the shore? Who knows? You know. I don't know. I, only Blaine I, knows, and only Blaine supporters know. We'll find out. Only only Blaine knows. So I'm going to be interested to watch how that story develops. So with that, Catherine, mm-hmm. I appreciate your time. It was you have done a monumental public service for city residents and your coverage. And I'm happy to follow it and keep promoting your site. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. And I'll be reading. Well, same here. Take care. All right. Good enough. All right. Catherine, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. So, folks, with that, 
I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show next week. Going to have a good guest on, I'm sure. I don't know who it is going to be yet, but nonetheless, we'll have a excellent guest. I have a couple of things in the works. Things can change rapidly at a minor detail, but keep listening, keep watching, keep reading. I appreciate the um, the loyalty. And if you ever have a news tip, reach out to me, Ryan at a minor detail.com. Um, can, you know, whatever you want to talk about, I'm always happy to entertain it. People have been sending me lots of news tips and I really appreciate that because it helps to develop a story, to be a source. And as I always say, I never burn my sources. That's one thing that you can never do in this job. And that's burn a source, especially when you work so hard to, to work them, to create them, to corral them, uh, to meet and talk with them and spend countless hours. And journalism is not only a hobby for me, but it is, as I mentioned many times throughout this show, it is my passion. I love what I'm doing, and I hope that's reflected in these, these weekly shows and in my writing. And I have so much to learn. I can improve vastly, and I'm doing that every day. Uh, to bring a real resource to my readers and listeners. And it's because of you that I'm doing this. I really, I, and uh, you know, I, I mean that sincerely. That's no BS. This is, this is the real me. So, all right. Well, everybody, I hope you have a great week. Um, oh God, I turned 32 on November 15th. That's this Wednesday. So that's yeah, 32. So, Hopefully, it'll be a great year. Lots in store. So I'm getting grayer um, by every year, and I'm, I'm getting less hair. So, And admittedly, you know what? The Rogaine that so many people, so many adult males are afraid to talk about. So I, I use Rogaine. I take biotin, and I do all kinds of stuff to keep a little bit of hair that I have on the top of my head left. And I'm unashamed by saying that. So if you are a male who is experiencing male hair loss – um, I don't have any grand solutions for you, but whatever I'm doing, I don't know. Maybe you should try it too. And Rogaine could, should clearly pay me to do a commercial. Um, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I've embarrassed myself enough by talking about my balding. So with that, have a great week, everybody.